You're listening to the Bass Lessons Melbourne podcast, episode 15, Evan Tweedy. How you doing? Um, Craig here from Bass Lessons Melbourne and for today's player profile video I've got Evan Tweedy with me. Hey Craig, how's it going? Good, nice to see yeah, you. Good to have you around, how are you? Thank you, very good. You've just been on tour, am I right? Yeah, yep, I've been on tour with the Dub FX. Um, we did 40 shows in 9 weeks across Europe. 40 shows in 9 weeks? Yeah. So that's like what, a gig a day? Well, not quite. I think it's averaged out to about five gigs a week. Five gigs a week. Yeah, and a yeah. lot of driving. Yeah. Yeah. Where did you start? Started in Poland. Did five shows in Poland, and then we basically zigzagged to the west. Uh, uh, yes. <laughs> um, in no particular order, you know. And right. then we finished in the UK, um, and then we flew to the East Block. Flew straight to Kiev in Ukraine. Oh, okay. And then we did Kiev, Belarus, Lithuania, Estonia, Latvia, Russia. Wow. Is this like festivals mainly? Or no, no festivals. All club dates? Yep, just clubs. Yeah. Cool. So yeah. it's like a, he's doing pretty well over there? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think the smallest gig we did was maybe three or four hundred people. And that was a nice, the, yeah. The clubs were really well booked. Yeah. 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 And have you, how does, how does touring over there compare to touring here? <clears throat> well, you can tour over there. Yeah. You can't really tour here. You do the weekend <clears throat> thing generally, unless you want to do a rural tour, but through Australia. But yeah. I mean, over there, they're just so um, appreciative that you've come so far to yeah. play for them. And... Well, if you've been from here to, you know, Darwin, it's a long way. That's true. It's all not as appreciative. <laughs> That's like from Torino to Barcelona. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. They're very excited um, and it, they just love it. They just go nuts for the yeah. music over there. And they listen and they buy CDs. Yeah. You sign some autographs? I did, yes. Did you ever get used to that? I do get used to it, yep. Um, I actually get a little bit nervous going to the merchandise desk and doing that thing. Yeah. So I generally don't go. Um, but uh, usually once I've... I'm taking my own gear at the moment So um, yep. uh, for this band. Um, so once I get off stage, I'll just relax for a bit, pack all my stuff down, and then I might wander out to the merch desk at the once end. Once it's quiet down a little bit. Yeah, once it's quiet down, just <laughs> see what's happening. But usually when I'm packing up my stuff, people will come up to the stage and ask for a photo yeah. or autograph yeah. or something. But at least then you can go, i got to go, you can, there's a, a yeah. way of getting out of it. That's right. I think, I think it's the standing there going, hey, I'm here. Yeah. Come here. Do you want to, you know? Yeah. That's not why we play bass, right? 
Correct. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I was playing guitar, I would be out there straight away. Yeah. And what's the what's the lead? What's the MC guy's name? Ben. Ben Stanford. Ben. Is he pretty good with all that kind of stuff? He's great. Yeah. yeah. He's really professional. Um, they love him. He's just really good at that stuff. Yeah. It's good to have somebody at the front that you can just kind of have faith in. That's going to take care of all that mm. that stuff, you know, without any awkwardness. I think. Yeah. Yeah. He's not awkward at all. I think maybe if it was my name. Um, on the front, then I probably would be less awkward. Sure. Maybe. You feel a little bit awkward about taking the kind of adulation when it's not... Oh, yeah, or, or, or assuming like. people do want a photo with me when they don't, <laughs> when they actually don't. <laughs> yeah. Or well, in my case, it's usually like you're hanging around and security comes up and goes, can you, can you leave? We're closing up. I'm like, I'm, I'm the bass player. I was just playing. You know? uh, <laughs> people don't even notice you've been on stage. Well, that happened in Brussels. That. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the uh, yeah, there was a bit of an altercation with security. I was very friendly, but he wasn't. Can you elaborate? Uh, <laughs> well, as I said, I packed up all my stuff. I walked to the merchandise desk. Um, I I did sign a, a couple of things and get a few photos, and then uh, I, I was leaving, and um, they wouldn't let me through, and I didn't have my pass on me. It was a beautiful <coughs> big theater. Uh, I think it was called AB. Um, so you were going to go, going to go backstage. Again going going backstage, yeah. Time yeah. to go home. You know, back to hotel, and um, but it's like, no, you can't pass. You need to pass. And I'm like, we just sold the place out. There was two thousand people there. You know, it's a big, beautiful theater. Yeah. And um, I had a couple of local friends with me, and um, I don't know. The guy just didn't like me. Just right up in my face. He did a, he had a quiet night, and he wanted something to do. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Or he was just jealous. Uh, yeah. For a change. Yeah, but look, Brussels, I don't blame them in Brussels. They need, they're a little bit on edge at the moment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You do look a little bit. <laughs> Let's not get into that. Okay. <laughs> so have you, you've done the European circuit a couple of times now? Yeah, yeah, I, I did that. I started doing it in 2012 with Husky. We did three tours in Europe. Cool. Five in the States in 2012. And then I had a couple of years off doing the overseas stuff, and then uh, over the last two years I've been doing it again. Okay. Yeah. And was the period off conscious, or just the way gigs worked out? Just the way gigs worked out. I mean, I was playing a lot with Husky at the time, and we recorded a new album, and we did some nice tours. We toured with Neil Young in that period. Um, In the States? No, no, only in Australia. All right. Yeah. And some other really good tours as well. Um... And then I left that band and then just got picked up by Double Effects and mm. did a few other session things as well. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, I mean, having had that intense time on the road and then off and then being back on, is that kind of how you would like the cycle to go? Or are you quite happy just to be out on the road for six months a year? Or Look, I think, um, I think I could be out on the road for six months a year, but, you know... Um, <coughs> If my girl was able to come with me, it would be a lot easier to do mm. that. And we'd have a lot of fun, but we have a couple of animals and, 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 and a baby. A, a baby on the way, yeah. The way. Well, yeah. It's going to be harder. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I really like the idea of doing um, some small European tours every year. But um, yeah, spend really? most of the time. <laughs> yeah. But to spend most of the time at home in the studio and just playing with friends in Melbourne. And mm. just, yeah. Because on, you know, on tour, you know, you're playing the same show every night. Yeah. And, and although I have high standards of myself and, and, and practicing on the road, 
I don't get that chance to, you know, really explore anything else anything other than else. the set list. Yeah. You've, you've got your show and that's what you're booked to do. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. And I, <clears throat> you know, so I might realise that I'm singing flat on one of the songs. So so it's like, okay, so I'm focus- the next day I'm focusing on, you know, just trying to make sure that part's right or, mm. or the coordination <clears throat> between some bass and vocal parts are difficult, so I'll be isolating that yeah, kind yeah. of practice. And I just want to make sure the show is really good. And then so you get back to Melbourne and it's like, oh, <laughs> you've lost. It's like, where am I again? <laughs> right. There's yeah. different different skill set that you're kind of working on. Yeah. On the road and on and back in Melbourne. Yeah. I definitely, yeah, that's right. It's, and especially with dub effects, I'm not playing as a live drummer. So, sure. which is good and bad. I mean, it, it's great because it gives me, you know, I'm basically playing to a metronome the whole time. But yeah, so it I keeps you honest. <laughs> it keeps me honest, but it also gives me um, a lot of scope. Like and like, I've got the power to change the feel in a way. Like if the, if the loop, if I'm playing to a loop, I can put the bass right there. I can put the bass a bit there or a bit ahead. And you don't have to worry about the drummer. That's right. I don't have to worry about the drummer. Yeah. <laughs> and so then I can kind of I can make straight beats feel a bit swung by putting the beat, uh, placing cool. the yeah. yeah bit behind and that's a bit of fun it's good to uh, it's good to like when you're doing the kind of same thing like week in week out like when I was on the ships and stuff like you're doing the show and after the first couple of weeks you've got it you should have it down mm. but there's always there should, you know, there's usually something you go alright I want to make sure that that bit is totally mm. nailed and stuff so I think it's it seems like a similar mentality when you're out on, on tours to go yeah. you can do the show and it's fine it's working but you know yourself if there's bits that you can improve on and stuff so it's good to have that that work ethic, I think. Yeah. Otherwise. And like practicing the same bass lines in different positions. Yeah, right. That kind of stuff, you know, like finding where the best place on the neck is to play the bass line. Yeah. Yeah. Practicing my open strings a little bit more. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Does that help you with the vocal singing and playing and singing at the same time? Um, well... <clears throat> Initially, no. <laughs> I mean, playing, playing and singing at the same time is, is quite difficult on the bass for me. Um, but yeah, eventually, yes, like once I slow it down, right. to slow everything right down and just make sure my tuning's in and, and I'm phrasing correctly and I'm still keeping the right feel of the bass part yeah. and supporting the vocals. Yeah. Do you find that you can, you can, you can play the bass line exactly as you would? If you weren't singing the way you do singing, or does something get maybe some details, some muted notes get lost, kind of thing? A little bit. A little bit, yeah. yeah there's a yeah. little bit. Of there's a little bit of that. Take. Yeah. <clears throat> I probably am uh, a better bass player while I'm playing, while I'm singing, because I play less. Right. And just play the important notes. Yeah, okay. But um, I don't know, maybe, you know, maybe the audience don't really notice, but I do. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, you, you, you notice that. The, the, you know, the smallest things but yeah yeah and so did you have you always sang and no. played or is this something that you've developed in the recent times I've definitely developed it yeah I was de- not an actual singer at all um, playing with Husky was um, amazing in terms of building my harmonic knowledge yeah um, in terms of vocals you mean yeah vocals yeah. sorry yes um, yeah because mm. it's one thing to kind of sing along with what the the lead singer singing, but it's another thing to sing your own 
or it's what I think like I'm just the, the baby steps of trying to sing and play at the minute and mm. if I know the song and I know the bass line well enough I can generally sing along with what the lead is mm. but if I need to do what would be considered a backing vocal part it's a whole other thing you know because you don't have anybody there to support you you know you have to kind of know it yourself so I know what you mean yeah backing vocals are sometimes a little bit more difficult because um you can't really waver with pitch lead vocals you can you can think about the emotion and and yeah. and you know deliver the story of the song sure and 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 just kind of play with the time but bvs are just going to be on it's like if it's almost like another keyboard bar or yeah. something yeah. yeah yeah um i find that um <clears throat> any kind of coordination exercises are good because um you know like uh on the road i was doing like playing my egg shaker two and four on my foot and doing a clave with my left hand and just hot singing scales. Right? Yeah. Wow. And just driving everybody nuts on the bus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they hated me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 That's, that's interesting because it's just a, it's a brain muscle then. Yeah. I guess you just try to split your brain to being able to multitask at the same time. Yeah. So if I can split my brain into four, I can split my brain in, you know, backstage and practicing yeah. that stuff. And it'll sound a bit funny, but when I come to play, I'm only having to do two things. It feels a bit easier. Yeah. It's like doing the, the, the warm-up things with your hands, so that when you come to play, you feel like it's easier. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Can you juggle? A little bit. A little bit. In my head, that would be something that would be similar to... Because you're concentrating on everything but nothing. <laughs> well, not nothing, but you, know, you can't focus on one specific thing. You just have to know what you're doing. I think I can juggle, yeah. I think I can juggle. <laughs> I haven't juggled in a while. Okay. But, um, yeah, I've done, I've done a lot of Tai Chi and martial arts in the past, and that takes coordination in terms of um, your breathing and just thinking about all the muscles in your body and where the breath is going at the same time as you move. Yeah, right. So. And obviously with singing, you've got to breathe. Well, with everything, you've got to breathe. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. With singing, it's more important about the timing of the breath. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, interesting. It's really good for your time singing. I've noticed my time on you know on the bass is just really improved, just from singing. Yeah, really. Mm. Mm. Yeah, you wouldn't think it, but yeah, because you just got to know that stuff better. Yeah, I guess so. Mm. Just where you're placing the vocals within the bass line. Mm. Yeah, and then when you don't have to sing, bass just becomes easier. Yeah, it's pretty easy to begin with, but yeah. It's pretty easy. It's pretty one order at a time. Yeah. Don't mess it up. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, it's monophonic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> how, how did you get into the bass? Um, well, I played trumpet throughout high school, um, and I played in the jazz bands. Okay. And I was really influenced by my uncle, who's a really good blues guitarist, and he had, and he plays piano as well, boogie-woogie style piano, and like I grew up listening to him rehearsing and um, my cousin playing saxophone as well and um, listening to old Louis Jordan records, B.B. King, Stevie Ray Vaughan, okay. Charlie Parker, you know, when I was 12, 13, I was okay. getting into that stuff. Um, and then I played trumpet throughout high school and I was all right, but I didn't practice enough, but I knew that I loved music so much, but I knew that I wasn't going to be a trumpet player just because mm. I, I just knew that I didn't practice enough. Yeah. And then uh, in my final year of high school, um, I had 200 bucks. 
I don't know where I got that from. It's probably doing something. Don't ask. Yeah, don't ask. <laughs> and I was like, I want to spend money. You know, I got 200 bucks here. I want to spend it. And I, uh, I wanted to buy a double bed because everyone had a double bed. I just still had my, my single bed from when, <laughs> I was, bed. when I was a little boy, you know. Yeah, I was like, yeah. I want to be a man. <clears throat> but I couldn't find a double bed for 200 bucks. If I wanted to spend the money, I'm like, maybe I'll just get a base, you know. It's like I bought it out of spite. Yeah, right. And I found a base and a little amp for 200 bucks. And then a week or two later, I realized I hadn't put it down. Just like playing it every day, all day. Yeah. Just learning Chili Pepper songs and playing the blues. And then I was just, wow, I found it. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I started playing the bass. And then did you go in and get some lessons and stuff? Or? No, um, not straight away. I mean, I started playing, yeah, when I was like 18. And then um, I... I was in Perth in WA and uh, I wanted to study and and my cousin was studying in Melbourne so I flew over to do an audition and I hadn't had any bass lessons but I had trumpet lessons yeah. so I had the musical, I understood it. You had the musicality, yeah. Yeah. And I just, I got accepted. Um, For where? It was Box Hill TAFE. Okay. And then, um, yeah. And then I guess you get lessons there. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, yeah, you got lessons there, or yeah, yeah, you get lessons there. Yeah, yeah. but the most lessons you learn <laughs> is talking to people, like you know, well, listening. Yeah, listening and and yeah. playing, just doing heaps of gigs and stuff. You know, and um, that was with Neil Kennedy. But then I remember getting some really great bass lessons after I finished uh, Box of Tape with a guy called Jeremy Olsop. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and he kind of more into the spiritual side of things mm. about music. And that I felt like there were music lessons with a bass in my hand. Okay. As opposed to specifically yeah. bass lessons. Because, okay, you know, you, you can learn the mechanics from from anywhere kind of thing. But yeah. You yeah. know you gotta you got to do your scales. you got to do your arpeggios. You know that. That's yeah. like, you don't need someone to tell you that. Or sure. maybe you do need someone to tell you that. Everybody's different. Yeah, but at that stage in your development, that... Olsop was the guy that you needed to... Yeah. And he was a big inspiration for me at the time. Yeah, right. So what were some of the kind of key things that he helped develop with you, do you reckon? It's really hard to say now. Some melody. Just thinking about melodies. Um, listening. I think I learned that. Just listening to everybody else. You know, mm. like... Listening to everyone else in the band except for yourself. Which is a young thing, you know, like when you're, you know, 18 to 24 or whatever, at least yeah. in my case anyway, you just want to check out, you want to be the largest thing in the band, you want to just have that excitement of being exactly. the thing, you know, and then then you realise that there's other people in the band. <laughs> yeah. And you actually become a better bass player when, oh. you know. And, and just how to make... And to get gigs as a bass player, your job is to make everyone sound good. Yeah. You know, no one's going to hire you if you can do, if you can play up here fast. You have I to mean, humble yourself. Yeah. If, if, a singer's, if a singer's trying to sing a melody and you're getting in the way, then you're not going to come back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, he just learned me to, uh, he taught me to just listen, listen to the whole band and just... And that's just a huge thing, I guess. Mm. I mean, there was a lot of other things, I suppose, but that was what I took out of it. So just some musical maturity? Yeah. 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 So how old were you at this point? Like 20? 20... 21. Okay. T 
20. Yeah. Yeah. And then what? BCA. Okay. Oncology of the Arts. I dropped out in third year. Didn't finish. Third year? That was pretty close. I know. I was so close. <laughs> oh, it was just some, just some emotional baggage I was carrying around. I just was not in the headspace for it at the time. And Still hadn't got that double bed. <laughs> Still hadn't had the double bed, not at that point. <laughs> no, by this stage I was on the floor. <laughs> um, yeah, but um, I learned a lot from VCA. Um, I actually didn't get any bass lessons at VCA. I, I right. opted to learn from sax, a sax player called Rob Binks and a piano player called Andrea Keller. Okay. So in our lessons we played. We just played music. Walking, and, yeah. And, Interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. Was, um, oh, I've forgotten his name. Please with the pick. Got like a semi acoustic six string. Chris Hale? Chris Hale. Was he there at that no, time? Not no, at the, not at that point. Okay. Yeah. I've seen him play a bunch of times. He's amazing. Incredible, yeah. 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 And so were you gigging around town at this time? Yeah, I was, yeah. Doing, I was doing a lot of gigs. <clears throat> I was doing heaps of gigs at that point. And I think that was kind of the reason, you know, then I would come to jazz school and and it started to kill my love for jazz at that point. Yeah. You know, and at that point I realized I didn't want to be a soloist bass player. And and that... Do you reckon that's what the VC was gearing? Yeah. You to, yeah, they're gearing everyone to be soloists, or at least to be able to solo. And that's fine, there's so much to learn through that. But it's uh, fine if you're a sax player or a you know, piano player or guitar player. I mean, not piano players and guitar players are need to have company as well, but you know, you more like to get booked for a jazz gig. And mm. the player, if you can solve. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, that's right. And I was still doing jazz gigs, um, but I was just walking. And I, yeah. and if it was bass solo, I'd just walk through the changes. with A little bit. <laughs> or I'd play the melody. Yeah. And just embellish the melody a little bit. Great place to start. Yeah. yeah. See, that's another thing that I learned from Jeremy Alsop about when you are soloing, um, particularly in jazz or something, Say if you walk into a club and you hear a person soloing, you want to be able to know what the song is as soon as you hear the solo. You like, right? He taught me that the melody should always kind of be present in in some way, shape, or form within the solo. Cool. And I like that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, there's so I've done so many jazz gigs and never learned the melody for any of the songs. You know. Yeah. And. It's it's a, it's a really good point because if you do it, it gives you an immediate springboard for your soloing. Exactly. You know? Then you're playing music, not changes. Yeah. Or just yeah, just jiving as Jack would yeah. say. Yeah. <laughs> just jiving. Just jiving. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> so uh, those those gigs are they like everything from, you know, pop R and B stuff to jazz to latin stuff or was yeah I didn't do so much latin uh, at that point um, I was doing a lot of funk. R&B, reggae, and then just some jazz gigs at cafes and stuff like that. Yeah. A lot of, oh, but I always did original music. Oh, cool. Yeah, I was always doing something original. Yeah. And I, was, I still do. Yeah. So that's that's where my passion lies in music, I think, is just uh, music that I haven't heard before. Mm. I mean, I'm not saying that I've always made music that's extremely original. True. Sounding, but uh, that's my goal. Just easier to have a a vested interest in the music if it's original? For me, yeah. You know, there was a point where I was doing a lot of weddings as well and I and I, I was learning all the all the bass lines and, you know, I went through the, jar, uh, <coughs> the, the 
James Jameson book. Yeah. Most Shadows of My Town and learned most of those bass lines. But then, you know, I would always pick a $50 original gig over a $300 wedding gig. Yeah. And I just did that all the time. Um, and which wasn't good for my bank account or my health, but... Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, it paid off. Yeah, I suppose you know, so. Because now, now you're potentially touring the world playing original music. Yeah, yeah, I'm lucky to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So that quite possibly wouldn't have happened if you'd always went down the, the money route. That's true. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think a balance is definitely good to have a balance. Yeah, I'm always you know. trying to find that balance. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're always going to have bills, right? And That's right. And I do have a couple of wedding gigs coming up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's totally cool. Yeah. Um, so when did the Husky thing come around? That was 2011? Um, that was, I think, when we started getting played on the radio. It was around 2011. Um, I think that was the Triple J Unearthed. We were winners of Triple J Unearthed. So you've been in the band for... Oh, I was in the band all up for eight or nine years, I think. <coughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, um, uh, I, get, I was they're an original member with, mm. with the singer Husky and uh, keyboard player Gideon. So we kind of started the band together. Right. And um, we all wrote our own parts and, and composed and put the, th- uh, put the albums together. And, you know, we really were passionate about putting on a really good show and writing mm. great songs. Yeah, that was a, an amazing time. Yeah, is that, would you reckon that's been your kind of school of songwriting? That's where you really learned about crafting? Yeah, I learned a lot from Huskies. Crafting bass, you know, also crafting bass lines to fit a song. Yeah, yeah, they were quite melodic, a lot of the bass lines I would do. Yeah, I mean, you know, like I'd have the, I'd do the meat and potato things, but sure. then, but then, you know, I guess I was playing a little bit more melodically. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And then exactly. I learned to harmonise vocally as well. Yeah. And the melodic thing, does that come from, can you, could you pin that down to any influences, guys that you know who do that, that you... Um, as Well, I listened to heaps of saxophone when I was growing up. Sure. So maybe that's where it came yeah, from. Yeah. And I learned a lot of Charlie Parker heads. Yeah. You know. The um, only book. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Billy's Bounce, Anthropology, Donnelly. Yeah, they were a lot of fun. Never really took them out of their original key. Anthropology, I did, but yeah. and Billy's Bounds, but not Donnelly. Yeah, <laughs> I kept that one in A flat. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, yeah, but it's not like from a, a McCartney thing or a. Well, um, no, because I didn't start listening to the Beatles until after I was playing the Husky for a number of years, you know. Yeah. Um, but I mean, now I'm just think Paul McCartney's incredible. It's sure. So amazing. Um, yeah, oh, I listen to Jarko a lot. As yeah, well, obviously. Yeah, I mean, Jacko was great at playing melodies. Yeah. You know, like making them sing, not just in terms of being unfretless, but just the way he would phrase things and place notes and stuff like that. He was really good at playing melodies, mm. um, as well as just grooving away, you know. Mm. Some guys, when they play melodies, they can, it kind of sounds like they're just waiting to get through the melody to get to the solo bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Instead of putting the emphasis really on that part of the music. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose, you know, it comes down to me just wanting to be original. So I would, um, you know, I would have the piano player be able to cover the left hand when 
when we decided we needed the bass to go up the neck a little bit and just create some tension. Sure. Yeah, I guess that's one thing about having a keyboard player in the band is that it, it can be a bit more bass, bassistic mm. than a guitar. Yeah. You know, the guitar can really, it can mimic it, but the keyboard can get down in that register and yeah. play what you were playing almost or, or cover that that part of the spectrum a lot more than if it was a guitar. Yeah. You know, two guitars kind of thing. Definitely. So that probably helped. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was really good. You know, we... A lot, a lot of really nice melodies that kind of worked together. And that was, uh, that was really fun. Mm. Mm. And were you using this guy back then, or...? No, no. Um, I was using a jazz bass. This is my Squire P bass that I found. Um, and I only bought it for the neck, because the neck's really beautiful. <coughs> um, but, um, no, I was using a jazz bass. And then I found that, uh, that old 60s solid body Hofner. And then that took over. So I started playing a bit more with a pick um, and my fingers as well. But I was, um, yeah, that became the Husky bass. So that's the bass, yeah? Yeah, yeah. And was, you were telling me you had a music man? I got a Stingray, 78, a 77 Stingray, yeah. Uh, that, was, that was my first good bass I bought. That wasn't your $200 bass? No, no, okay. no, no. But I think I only I think that was only fifteen hundred dollars at the time. Okay. Yeah. I think they're a bit more expensive now. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but um I've still got that bass and I'll never sell that. And um that would be probably the one bass I would save in a fire if I had to pick one. Yeah, really? I think so. I don't know why. It's just it's just so good. You you that was kinda of through your formative years of bass playing. That's right. I learned to play jazz on a stingray. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I listened to Ron Carter and, and you Ray didn't tell him to be a jazz bass player so. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and I still haven't really got my upright chops up so do you have an upright or do you no no there was periods when I was studying where I would take the school upright home but I never had any lessons sure. so I was just you know I didn't really know what I was doing just sucking yeah <laughs> that's what I found out when I was like just sucking you know, oh. yeah yeah so hard yeah do you find yourself um like now, when you go back and I don't know if you do, but if you play jazz gigs, do you have a new found perspective on it? You know, like it's not quite so much of the, the school thing in the definitely. Back like now, you can just enjoy it musically a lot more. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I I really really love jazz, um, and I love those old standards. You know, yeah, the Duke Ellington stuff, and I love ballads. Yeah, I'm a real sucker for ballads. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And just, you know, playing less, just just creating a really nice bed for the melodic instruments, you know, mm -hmm. piano players or horn players, guitarists. Just really like connecting and just giving them something really nice to paint over. Cool. Mm. Yeah. Which is a combination of what would you say? What's that? What like, what, what, like when you're trying to create a nice bed in, in any genre yeah it's like what are, what are you what are you kind of what are your hit points what are you aiming to do when you're doing that bass thing are you aiming is it tonally is it harmonically you know is it rhythmically that's a good <clears throat> question um i'd say all of them i think the first thing that comes into my mind when i start playing is tone um but if we're talking about jazz then i'll, I'll, I'll always be up here sure yeah um, 
And then I want to create tension. So then it's then there's a release. So yeah. we're because if we if we're creating tension kind of from the beginning, then you know we can choose to see how long we want to drag that out sure. before we hit a release, and then that's when it really starts to swing. <laughs> yeah, right. Or or cook or whatever. Um, yeah, but I mean you know harmonically you're always trying to change things in a standard. You always just want to play it a bit differently. Yeah. Each time you go around. Which is hard sometimes when the sides player takes, you know, 20 odd courses. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's like, all right, I've pedaled the five, yeah. I've pedaled the one, I've pedaled the four. <laughs> I've done two, I've played in two, you know, I've not played. Yeah, I've not played. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've tried trading fours. <laughs> yeah. Um, one thing I noticed when I've seen you play is that you get really solid and consistent time mm -hmm. I feel like is there anything that you've done that you can think of that's helped with that or is that just from playing with good players or has it been more of a conscious thing where you've actually worked on consistency yeah I've worked on it yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> also like playing with as many drums as possible right is a great thing because you know and as many musicians as possible everyone feels the time yeah. differently sure it's a little bit harder to do I think with drums, because you know we and living in a city, you know finding a space to jam with the drummer isn't always. It's pretty difficult. It's pretty difficult. But if you really want to do it, you can probably make it work, right? Yeah. You know. Yeah. And I think well, yeah, like specifically slowing things down. You know, I I, I practiced a lot of Bach cello suites for a few years, um, and I would play them at like forty BPMs. Right. Um, and with with like a click. Yeah, always trying to. Yeah, I, I play with the click a lot like at, at home when I'm practicing. Sure. And I would put, put the click on the one, and then I would put the click on the two. Just, and so just be, you know, one click every 40, B, you know, 40 BPMs. And I would try and feel that even on the ends. Right. Or like one end, see if I can feel that and play semi-quavers and just... But slow. Yeah, really slow. And then I would use a lot of subdivision, uh, like get a metronome to subdivide. Um, I remember the, actually the first time I started really like the subdivision really got into me was when I learned River People. You know River People? Dibba, 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 dibba. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that was when I was about 19, I think. And my teacher at the time said, get a metronome and the subdivides. I'm like, all right. It's like, dit, 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 dit. okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's playing the subdivisions for you? Yeah, seeing, yeah, yeah. Seeing how consistent you see where you line up. That's right. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> and then, you know, you do that a lot and then you take the, you take away the subdivisions mm. and then you got to try and fill the subdivisions. Sure, yeah. yeah. That's ultimately goal, I think, with all these things. Yeah. It's for you. The metronome tells you the time and then the metronome, it's almost like with those things of putting it on the and and the E and all, moving it around the 16th, then it's just like you got to tell what the time is. Yeah. And then making it swing. Making it swing. Making yeah. metronome swing. Well, putting your metronome on two and four. Yeah. It's weird. It just instantly, well, maybe not for everyone, but as soon as my metronome's on two and four, I feel like it's swinging. Mm. You know, yeah. Maybe doing that and trying to make it not swing would be a good thing as well. Yeah. <laughs> Everything. Yeah. Just try and, yeah, playing with the metronome was a lot of fun. And maybe, um, Maybe if you think that I have solid time, it's from that kind of stuff, you know. Mm. Yeah. And did you, all these exercises, you just 
came up with? Or? Yeah. 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 I, I think maybe I heard, you know, somebody said to me, slow it down. Slow it down, yeah. And then I thought, well, you know, like, I'm like, I can't play that bass line. It's like, all right, so slow it down. So then I would slow it down. I'm like, I can play it at that tempo. So that means I can play it at any tempo, potentially. Sure. And I found that if I practiced it a lot, like, you know, something like the chicken's a great one to slow down, you know, the bass baseline for the chicken mm-hmm. and if you play that at 40 then you'll never need to practice it at, a, at 100 you'll <laughs> always be able to play it if you know if you consistently practice it at 40 yeah right just because your muscles just, just I and actually I reckon I learned that from Tai Chi as well yeah because practicing Tai Chi you, you're learning to punch and throw and, and do some fairly fatal moves at a snail's pace. So you need to understand what all the muscles are doing inside you and what the breath's doing at the point of contact. Right. So then I kind of applied that to... Fatal moves on the bass. Fatal moves on the bass. Killer bass lines. <laughs> yeah. And I practiced breathing. When I was doing my um, uh, the bark cello suites, I would practice breathing in for two bars and breathing out for two bars. Really? Yeah. And, and then <clears throat> that kind of... And so that helped my coordination, my time, um, and just to relax as well. Like, yeah. breathe in. And, and, you know, I've got the metronome on. Yeah, sure. that kind of thing. And so that's that's for, like, it's not like, you know, just playing beat one and then beat one. Like, that's for a, that's four beats in a bar. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Right. Mm. Yeah, that's all. Yeah. And then did you, would you, from there, would you ramp it up or just? Yeah, yeah, I would. There? I would. Yeah, but not always, you know, I might spend half an hour just playing at 40 BPMs mm. and then you go to a gig and you're really warmed up and then I start playing too much. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> like, this is fun. Yeah. 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 Yeah, slow it down. Interesting. But yeah, that's right. You hear the breathing thing. It's all coming back to me now. Mm. I remember doing that. That was really helpful because it was quite difficult to remember to breathe in. And then breathe out through your bar. And then, and then, you know, when you come to play the bass, it's just, just relax. Yeah. That probably helps with your timing. Like, I mean, obviously talking about timing, but it's easy to do, I think, um, big movements, like a breath in and out in time than in small movements, mm. you know, in a slow time frame. So coordinating your breathing probably helps with, yeah, with the timing of everything else. Yeah, definitely yeah. does. Do you find yourself doing that on stage? No. Of it? Um, I, I probably forget to think about my breathing on stage. I, I do think about my breathing on stage when I'm, you know, because I have to sing backing vocals. Sure. Um, but yeah, that's something that I do in practice. And then when, it, when I'm on stage, you know, I just try to be blank and just forget about everything, forget yeah. about technique and just... What do you think about I mean, you said blank, but is it blank or is it, is it listening? Yeah, listening, I guess. Yep. I think about the mood that the singer or the, or the piano plays in, <laughs> you know, because a lot of the time I won't start or we'll start together or, you know, yeah. I don't know what I think about. I try to just be as blank as possible and just be, and just try and leave. And for each song. Yeah. Just try and leave ego just completely out of it. Mm. And I try not to um, anticipate what's coming next too much. 
I try to listen for what's coming up next, but mm. not try and steer what's coming up next, if you know what I mean. Yeah. But yeah, I, yeah. Sounds like a bit of a martial arts thing as well. Maybe. Like blank. Yeah. Yeah, the art of fighting, not that I'm a fighter at all, but the art of fighting and the art of music is just so connected mm. in a way. Like just practicing, like practicing <clears throat> your punches and, and your stretches and your breathing and then your scales and everything. And then if you do have to fight or you do have to play a show, just forget about everything. Yeah. Because it's just, it's in it's, there. It's naturally in there. Essentially, it's all, all in the preparation, is what you said. Yeah. Being really, really prepared. It's hard. You probably know as well. It's like, you know, when you first started playing, you first started doing your gigs, to get your mind out of the bedroom, out of the practice room. Yeah, because it's, it's all you've ever known. Yeah. 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 But going, going and seeing other guys, like some of the, you know, go and see some of the top guys around town and see what they play and how they are on stage, I think is, is really good. You know, they're, they're really good guys. They don't seem like they're, um, you know, in top gear all the time. No. You know, they seem like they're totally comfortable, mm. you know, but not disconnected. You know, they're mm. still involved, but it's just it's all happening at, at a different, on a different level. Yeah. It's not this. It's what are we doing as a mm. musical entity kind of thing, you know? Because exactly. this is this is all being taken care of years ago. That's right. You know, in, in the shed. So it's about making music, you know. Exactly. Is where we're all trying to get to. That's right. It's like music, <coughs> and that's the most important part. Yeah. Do you find that you use in, you're using in ears on stage? Yes. Yeah. Is that a new thing? Um. Oh uh, yeah. In the last two years, I've started using in ears. So yeah. yeah, it's fairly new. How do you find it? I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I guess if you're not using um, a drummer. I'm not using a drummer, so it's pretty important to have in ears in this gig. Yeah. Um, but I've used I use in ears um, when I did some shows with Angus and Julia as well, and that was the first time I used in ears um, with a drummer, and that was fine. It was good too. Just got to get a good balance. Yeah. Did you like? Did you go through the process of setting it up, or do you have a, a tech who was like, put these on and? Which like, band? All the first time you first. First time. First time, um, Ben <coughs> from Double Flex, he, he showed me how to set it up because he was all self-sufficient. Yeah. He'd set all his own stuff up on his oh, own. Oh, right, yeah. 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 So did you have like custom molds and stuff? Or Not custom nothing? molds, no. I got some, I got some nice, uh, good quality Shores, uh, 525s or something, I think. Yeah. Um, and yeah. So then what do you, do you have any, have you developed any tricks with getting your bass to sound natural in there or the room like I know some guys have like like to have a bit of just ambient noise in there so it feel, they don't feel disconnected from from the room yeah we don't have an ambient mic that's quite common you know to put a mic at the front of the stage sure, just to yeah. get that ambience um, no I probably just have it a little bit out and I have a, a like a, an Ampeg fridge behind me cranked <laughs> 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 so you still feel it I have to yeah because yeah, really? the dub effect stuff is like a lot of low end sure a lot of deep deep bass you want to make sure that you're making the right 
you you know you've done it enough that you know when it feels what it what it should feel yeah. like coming out coming off the amp. So if it feels like coming off the amp, it should be right out front kind of thing. That yep yep. And I'm feeling the subs on the stage. So the kind of shows we were doing were big shows. So there were big subs. Yeah. You know, and so, yeah, I just yeah. <laughs> so what what's in your ears? Um, everything. Um, I still had bass in my ear. Yeah. Um, and I would make, you know, vocals and drums are up pretty high for me. Okay. And the piano is definitely in there as well, but not as high as the vocals and drums. Sax? Sax? Nah. I can, nah. <laughs> I can hear that in the side fill. Yeah. And I can hear that just coming around. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I don't need the sax in there. <laughs> yeah. But it's fun? The, the it's a lot of fun yeah it's it's a lot of fun because it's a three piece so you know there's a lot more relying on me and I'm playing I'm playing synth bass electric bass and doing some backing vocals as well and I was yeah, right. I was involved in the writing of the album so I feel connected to that the latest album sure um, and so that's a lot of fun going overseas and playing to yeah. a lot of people especially music that you've helped create exactly yeah and some bass lines <coughs> that I've written that that the uh, sometimes the audience starts singing the bass lines while I'm playing them, and cool. there's some breakdowns, just yeah, these yeah. reggae dubby parts. And they know it. Yeah, they know it. They start singing it. It's like a bass solo. It's solo bass, not a bass solo. If you know yep. what I mean. Yep. <laughs> and uh, a couple of times the audience would just like sing along. I was like, wow, they know this. Cool. Yeah, that was cool. Are you using any pedals? Yeah, a GT10B. Um, right, boss. Yeah, I'm not a. I mean, it's it's very good. It's an amazing thing. But I mean, ideally, I would not use it. Mm. Um, but do you, like, how much how much of the synth based stuff are you doing? And how much is? Well, most of the look. I'm doing a lot of sine wave stuff. So OC two kind of thing. Yeah. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Because the um, I guess what those GT ten Bs uh. Ideally, they kind of tell you that uh, that they've got every pedal that they've made, like right. OC two. Is it OC two? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I I got a couple of you know like sine style bass sounds. Yeah. Then I've got some like really uh, some overdriven bass sounds, and then I've got some. Then there's two really synthy kind of patches. Okay. That are, and and I've got the LFO going on on the um, pedal. The wah, 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 uh, okay, wah, yeah. wah, wah. And I and I'm I'm using a MIDI cable to hook up to uh, Ben, so the tempo is set, and then the LFO tempo is set. So then I've got you know then it's subdividing in time. Yeah, cool. Mm. So how is he setting the time? Is there tracks? Um. Yeah. Well. The, mm, <laughs> just just drum loops. <laughs> <clears throat> and right, yeah, and yeah. he's looping beatbox. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, I saw him when he did loop beatbox things. So. Yeah, and and then once he's done a loop, it, it actually maps the tempo and sends it to us. Is that a boss looper as well? Yeah, yeah, everything's boss. Okay. Yeah. Boss. Boss. And um, yeah, do, so do, I, do boss know that boss boss USA boss Australia? Do they know that? Uh, yeah. Well, he was. He did help create one of the loop stations. Yeah, right. yeah. He, I think he was. Endorsed by them for a while, he's they've flown into Japan mm -hmm. once or twice to the headquarters. Cool, of the boss. Did you do the programming on yours yourself as well? 
No, he programmed that for me. Ah, okay. Yeah. That's so, cool, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's fine. So I was just, I was controlling, I was driving, but he built the engine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I, I had one, I don't know if it was the 10 or if it was the one before that, and it was just like, man, there's just so many parameters and scrolling through menus and it's like that's why I've got that board set up with everyone because I can see where everything's set exactly I can get similar sounds I've got to press three buttons at once but if I need more or less or something I can just mm. and for live situations where it's maybe more improvised I guess you're doing stuff where it's it's you know more orchestrated and, and meant to be consistent from night to night but a lot of time when I'm using pedals it's it's for improvised stuff so mm. I can just look down and go I want this and that and mm. switch here and there with the multi-fix thing makes it a little bit more difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, he basically built his career through this, through the sound on that Boss GT10B. He put his, he puts his vocals, he uses one too for his vocals. Right. That's yeah. where he gets that the synth kind of sound on the yep. vocals sometimes. Yep. Yeah, he's created all of that stuff. So he, um, we sat down and, and we worked on the sounds together. You know, the, originally they were too compressed for me and I was not enjoying it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I tell him how they how it feels under my fingers and if the sounds are working for me and then we just kind of work together to, to mould the sound. Yeah, cool. That we like. Yeah. And then there's the little fatty, which I've programmed, or I've made all the sounds myself on that one. Yeah. And that goes through the GT10B as well. All right. But it's basic, it's just slightly compressed. Okay. That's all it is. It's basically a flat patch. Tame it a little bit. Sorry? Just to tame it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I use the LFO on the um, on the GT10B while I'm playing there. Okay. And is your mode going through the Ampeg as well? Mm, yes. Yeah. So I've got an AB switch. Okay. Yeah. You ever blown anything? Not that I know of. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the next day. <laughs> the next day. But I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It was an 8x10, now it's a 2 <laughs> yeah. 2 by 10 in the same cabinet. That's right, yeah. Making <laughs> up, well, up your nipple. Well, sorry. Right. Is that good? Yeah. Hello. Cool. Um, I think it's in Julia Stone. Yes. That must have been a pretty good gig. Yeah, it was a great gig. It was really amazing. Um, you did the Fleetwood Mag spot? Yes. Um, I was really lucky. Uh, I just got a phone call from Julia, and she—I'd been recommended to her, and they said, "Oh, we got some gigs coming up with Fleetwood Mac. Can you do them?" And I'm like, "Sure." Like, oh, I've got a couple of blues gigs. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was that was fantastic. You know. Yeah. Well, it was a really good experience, and we did New Zealand and Australia. Was that just like in a fill-in thing? Were like, like, we need somebody or somebody left? I mean, how, Somebody kind of left. You know, they were in the process of finding a new bass player. Um, and um, I think they had one for a couple of shows that didn't work out. And then they got me and they were really happy with me. Um, and I did that tour and then I, they just kept offering me more gigs, which is fantastic. Um, but at this time, I was still work I just started working with Dub Effects and writing this new album. Yeah. So I was kind of, I was creatively kind of tied in with Dub Effects, um, and I was just uh, a session, you know, doing the session thing for Angus and Julia, you know. Yeah. And I would and love they, to have they, viewed, that was how they viewed it as well, kind of thing. Yeah. 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 Totally. You know, I don't want to. You know, those guys are, they write beautiful songs on their own, you know. So um, I was just happy to to be with them and playing their songs. 
mm. and playing with a great band that they, you know, surrounded themselves with. But, um, you know, I guess it's a similar thing to what I was saying before, is like I was writing original music with somebody else and and that kind of took the cake at, at that point. And we were about to go on, on tour as well, so... You know, yeah. it's just like, oh, what do I take here? And sure. I would have loved to have just continued playing with them as well. Mm. But um, you can't have your cake and eat it too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not, for, not for too long anyway. Not for too long. Sometimes it... In, in, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I chose to <clears throat> kind of um, finish recording this album and touring it. Yeah, so I missed out on a few gigs. So that's right. Yeah, so I mean, it's great to get a call for something like that. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. But you didn't do any stu- you didn't do any studio stuff with them then. No, no, no. no they were just uh, they were coming to the end of this cycle of their last album. Sure. And um, yeah. So maybe they're recording some stuff now. I'm not sure. Yeah, actually, no. I do know that uh, Angus is doing his solo thing called Doug Lemon. Okay. Yeah, and he's using some um, some guys from the states. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we're talking about studio stuff. Um, do you have like a preferred way of tracking? Like some guys like to be in the room with the amp, some guys just like DI, headphones. I'd, I'd love to be in a room with an amp and a drummer right. and track live if I can. But then usually <laughs> usually I'm like, oh, it's not quite sitting the way I, I want it to, but that drum takes fantastic. So then I'll come in and just sit at the desk and then, and then right. just do it. Yeah. 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 And that's... Um, yeah, it always depends on the studio. Mm-hmm. The project, the studio, yeah. Yeah, I think that, yeah, ideally I love tracking live with a drummer, if I can. But um, then I also like sitting down and taking my time mm. with headphones on. Yeah. yeah, for those times that you don't get it yeah, quite right, but he does. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And just generally just de-eyed? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, um, or... Like, I like to take a split signal, you know, DI and, and miking up the cab. Okay. Then you can just blend it nicely. Sure. Yeah. yeah. you got some kind of studio chops <coughs> in terms of recording yourself and stuff at home? Yeah, I can record myself. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine with that. That's. Do you ever do, like, remote sessions? Like, somebody goes, here, I need bass for a... Yeah, actually, yeah. yeah. So I take I take my stuff on, on the road with me. I take a little, the RME baby face. Okay. I don't know, you know that one? Is that, like, the... the yep. Blue with a the thing. That's it. Yeah, yeah. So I take that on the road with me, and I've actually been writing some songs and some some stuff, and sending it to a drummer who's recording, and then he would send it back to me, and I might be somewhere in Europe, yep. and then I'll put some bass down, and then we just go back and forth. Cool. So yeah, I've done that a few times. So you're building up a solo album. I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, actually. Cool. Singing. Um, there might be a few bits of vocals on there. Look, I've got, I've got so many songs. I'm just trying to put them into genres. I've definitely got like a singer songwriter album worth. Yep. Yeah. Uh, right. And then there's like more hip hop, beatsy, Dilla kind of stuff. Yeah. And then there's a bit more Afro, Latino, jazzy kind of thing. And I'm just trying to kind of put them into categories and work out what to do first. Right. But I'd love to have something finished in the next six months. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. you don't know which one it's going to be. No, not yet. Is there one that you're, like, more, like, excited about? 
Yeah, uh, I like the Afro jazz kind of stuff. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. Yeah. And that'll be more instrumental. Uh, but then the beatsy hip-hop kind of thing that I'm doing, I've also got some vocal parts for that, so... Like, more like kind of hooks and stuff? Yeah, just little hooks. Yeah. I, I'm trying to just make music that I haven't heard before, which is very difficult. Yeah. Like, do you have, uh, um, like, hip-hop influences, or is it just something that... Because I find that sometimes when I write stuff on the computer, it comes out, like, as this weird, dark, electronic stuff, and... Mm. I don't generally listen to that kind of stuff. Like I don't know how I can really name sight and influences, but I'm just, for some reason I'm attracted to those sounds and those yeah those beats. So when you're in that environment, that's kind of what comes out. Yeah, I don't know. I think um, I think what got me into hip hop was the Voodoo album, the Angelo Voodoo album. Okay. And then I started listening to Diller after that. Okay. And yeah. Tribe called Quest, and okay. and I was a bit late in the on the game for for Tribe Called Quest. You know, but um. But it's definitely a thing that you've been checking out. Yeah. 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 Cypress Hill when I was sixteen. <laughs> that kind of went with the territory. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously a bit of a Pino fan. Yeah, I love Pino Palladino. He's yeah. uh, he's incredible. I don't think I've ever met any bass player who's been who's like, nah, I don't like Pino. <laughs> like what what crazy boys will say he's good. What shit tone? Nah, not really. Shit feel? Nah, not really. Nah. He plays too much? Nah, not really. And, and a beautiful voice. Welsh voice. Your exact same. <laughs> really gets you? Yeah. <laughs> I haven't heard him sing, just him talk. Right, yeah. 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 Yeah, he's... It's just so... Like, somebody like that, who you can see playing for The Who. Yeah. And D'Angelo. And John Mayer. And, and John Mayer. Oh. Just like... and But so authentically as well. Oh, yeah. It's, it's pretty mind-blowing. I know. Yeah. yeah, I think he's. I think he's the bass player that most bass players would like to be. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> I kind of hear him as like the the futuristic Willie Weeks a little bit. Almost, sure. you know, I feel like I, I I hear his feel. I hear Willie Weeks's feel in in um, Pino sometimes. Yeah. yeah, but Pino's completely original as well. You know, he's pave, paving his own way. Mm. Yeah, and to kind of like come out of that eighties fretless, you know, swamp that he was in to, to do what he's now. It's just like, some guys would just get stuck in that, you know, yeah. but he was just, yeah, central. I've never really checked up on how he, how he became so authentically versatile, because like we could do, you know, like you could do a bunch of gigs around town, you could do a Latin gig and a reggae gig and stuff, and you'd cut it, but it's not like the guys who are at the top of those games would hire you no. to play with them, because right. you, you know, you're not like totally... That's not your culture, you know. Mm. But Pino gets hired to do those gigs for some because he can nail it, you know, and yeah. and it sounds real. It's pretty amazing. Mm. It's one of the things I think about being kind of a working bass player is that you're required to, you know, jack of all trades, master of none to some extent. Yeah. But there is like kind of what you're talking about, like making your focus original music, is like at least you're becoming a master of your own musical identity mm. to some extent, even though you're playing different genres, you know, like the singer-songwriter thing or the, the double effects thing, like they're quite different disciplines, but are you still, like, you do you still feel like y- your your voice comes through or are you, like, chameleon-like and you just totally fit into what's happening or do you, is there certain things where you go, yeah, I played that with double effects and I played that with Angus and Julia Stone, like... Yeah, my voice always seems to pop out in yeah. whatever I do, I think. <clears throat> that's good yeah I think so yeah yeah 
Yeah, I mean, you know, like still every now and then I'm just like, oh, I just want to just want to play that, you know, like Francis Rocco Prestia, you know, yeah. I just want to just play exactly like him and just run yeah. But then, you know, like I'll start doing that and then I'll just kind of go off my own tangent and then just like follow what I'm trying to find, which I guess is good, you know. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know if I answered your question. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it was kind of a, a roundabout question. It just, it's just like being so varied, um, trying to find something that you can call your own, I guess, can be difficult sometimes. Yeah. But you're doing your solo album, not solo, not, but you're doing writing your own music and you're writing with other people as well, so you yeah. always feel that, that connection as opposed to just being a hired gun. Yeah, I'm always writing music with someone or myself. Uh, yeah, that keeps me alive. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Yeah. And then the only thing with... Yeah, you've got to remember to keep your technique up too. Because you never know what, what's going to come, what gig is going to come around the corner next. That's right, right that's right. Yeah. You want to be able to cut it. So just like, oh, you know, got back in Melbourne last week from Moscow and I'm in drum and bass dub hip hop world. Yeah. So I've got to get my right hand going again. Yeah, right. This yeah. is the 16th. Yeah. Dig out some Tower Power albums. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. 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 Do you have any, is there, do you have any like kind of go to? maintenance things that you do apart from the slow metronome thing like any just yeah um, it's cello suites yeah yeah and then um, and then just yeah just playing the cello suites just just warms me right up Um, and then perhaps because I guess in order to do those correct you have to have a certain amount of facility and technique on the instrument Mm. So by by learning those, you're kind of learning your technique as well at the same time. Yeah, that's what you're saying. Like when you when that's you right. used to shed them, that's part of partly how you got your technique up. Do you think? From yeah, jealous sweets. Yep, definitely. And you know, like when when you can't play a certain baseline, then I start to find exercises that seem so far removed from what I'm originally going for, but I know yep. is gonna yeah boost it. Yeah, you know. So then, so when you do nail that baseline, there's so much more depth and, and character about it. Sure, yeah. Yeah, I find with, like, checking out, going back to the rock, like, checking out a bunch of Rocco's lines was that a lot of it was to do with what finger I started with. Right. Know? And yeah. I, had a, I had a tendency to always start with my first finger, mm-hmm. which resulted in little time glitches because for that octave pop or whatever, like, it, it was just uncomfortable. It's not going to work. So then I, I developed a bunch of exercises where I would start just playing 16 lines with both fingers. Yeah. So that if I knew, okay, this song, I've got to start that chorus with this finger. Yeah. Then I, I was comfortable with it. Yeah. It's funny, yeah, something as small as starting with your second finger. Yeah. You just throw your right off. Like, why can Sometimes I would play it and nail it and then sometimes I'd play it and be like, why is why was it not in time that time? And it took me ages to figure out what what was going on. Mm. And uh, yeah, and it was something just like oh, slow, slowing it right down, and then figuring out which finger. Oh, when I start with that finger, it's easier to get to that that thing. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, basically just slow things down. Basically, yes. <laughs> cool, man. Great. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Ah, oh, that was wicked. Yeah. Um, What's, what's up next? Um, are we still on? Um, are we on? Yeah, I mean like Christmas and stuff. Oh, and Christmas! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not, not like this afternoon, I mean, like gig-wise. Like. Uh, going to New Zealand to play the Rhythm and Alps. 
and Rhythm and Vines with Dub Effect, which is two festivals, one on the South Island, one on the North Island, the New Year's <laughs> Eve. Cool. And then uh, come back to Australia on the 1st of January and get ready to have a baby. Yeah. Yep. And I just keep working on my solo stuff at the moment, yep. you know, and I've, um, I've just been contacted by another artist that I'm going to work with, um, and yeah, but I'll, we'll talk about that one later. Sure. Yeah. Cool, man. All yeah. right. Guys, thanks for watching. Um, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.